I was actually talking to a young woman the other day who is thinking about becoming a wedding planner, and she has one hesitation. She asked me, I heard that people act irrational and crazy on wedding days. Is that true? And <laughs> I had to be honest with her and tell her, it's partly true. People behave in ways that seem bizarre and irrational on wedding days. But if you really strip away what's happening, to me, it makes perfect sense the ways that they're acting out. So it's the big day and there's a lot going on. Relationships are being redefined. Power dynamics are actively shifting, and yet it's taboo to feel anything but joy. What would it look like to make room for some of the more complex emotions, to acknowledge the effect a wedding has on the unique relationship everyone has with the couple? This is Shame Piñata. I'm Colleen Thomas. I'm so happy to welcome Tria Chang and her wisdom back to today's show. Tria and I met last year when she was in the process of planning her second wedding. She was working through a rich and complicated experience of weddings, being a former wedding planner who had participated in over 100 ceremonies and who had gone through a divorce during those years. As she looked ahead to her second wedding, she wanted to create a unique ceremony that was a perfect fit for herself and her partner. At the time we met, I shared with Tria some of the details of my own wedding, specifically how it was designed to make room for all of the feelings, both happy and other. Weddings bring up a myriad of feelings, and yet we're taught that there's only room for joy on the day. There's no above-board acknowledgement of how the new union will shift family dynamics or sometimes push friendships to the back seat. We're not encouraged to sit down and have meaningful conversations about these things with our friends and family, about how the new union will change things for everyone. And when something is not brought into the light or given room for expression, it can take on a life of its own. Think people behaving irrationally at weddings. Think Bridezilla's. Shortly after that first interview, Tria and I sat down again to explore what all is happening in a wedding. The many people, the many perspectives, the many feelings. The big mashup of everything happening at once and the things that may not get acknowledged. We typically think about the couple when we think of a wedding, but there are so many more people involved, and each person brings their own perspective, expectations, and life experiences to that day. There's the couple, their parents and siblings, and maybe even children, their friends, their family who make up the wedding party, and the guests. In addition to people we can look around the room and see, there are also invisible forces that can influence the day. There's that phenomenon I call the female legacy, which women can be acutely attuned to by the mere fact that marriage has been a survival tool for women historically. I'm not sure how else to describe it other than to say weddings can be heavier for women. There also may be some acute losses going on, such as the loss of a father to give the bride away or the loss of a close friend missed by the entire community. And there's often this idea that it all happens in one moment, 
there's this wedding and it happens in a day and boom, you're married and all transitions are finished. To add the behind the scenes perspective, even for the vendors, for most of the weddings that I planned, there were at least eight to 12 different vendors working on things. And each of those vendors comes in with their own goals and agendas. So for example, the makeup artist will, of course, be wanting to make the bride look beautiful because it's her day, but she also has her portfolio to think about. So she'll be wanting the photographer to get certain shots of the hair and makeup, be sending that to her, or be recording it for herself for her own social media or website. The photographer is obviously working on a portfolio as well, and they want to get a certain type of shot that can help them get on wedding blogs or gain the trust of other clients. And the planner or stylist has a certain look that they're trying to achieve so that they can also show their best work in their portfolio and attract future clients too. So there are a lot of desires going on on a wedding day, not just the personal, also the professional. And then there is that feeling of transition, as you said, and transitions don't happen in one moment that you're not a completely different person right after you have the ring on or right after you kiss it's just part of the process so there is a lot going on in the wedding day and that you're supposed to pack all of these things in and you're supposed to be thrilled about it the whole time (laughs) (laughs) so everyone is really supposed to be on their best behavior and it doesn't usually turn out that way right and we've had quite a few conversations about the the other feelings, the feelings that are harder, maybe the feelings that don't fit in the pretty package, the feelings that we're not allowed to have mm-hmm. at a wedding that get discouraged, and maybe the even the unconscious losses that folks aren't even aware that they're feeling. Mm-hmm. What tensions have you seen come up at weddings? Mm. Yeah, there have been... A lot of tensions that come up. I think the most common one I've seen is usually between the couple and their parents. So sometimes there are um, mothers of the bride who are feeling protective or like they don't really want to let go. So they start trying to control small things like the way the bride is getting her makeup done or... Um, trying to change menu items last minute. It can really come out in ways that seem unrelated, but are just things that catch their attention and show them a way of having more control in that moment. I also had a client who, they were a slightly older couple, and so they didn't have their parents involved in the planning at all. And when the mother of the groom showed up to the ceremony site, which was an art gallery, she was furious. She just hated the venue. She thought it was so ugly. And she told me, these pictures on the wall, they're awful. They have to go. There aren't enough flowers. And, you know, an art gallery, you can't change the display. (laughs) It's off limits. We did end up moving some flowers around for her. And she didn't like the concrete floor, which was 
part of the modernist look. Um, but I talked to the bride and groom and told them I think it would really help her if she could have some say. And so they mm. were comfortable with us putting down an aisle runner. So at least having something cloth for them to walk down for whatever reason that became important to her in that moment. Right. And would you say that with a lot of these people there, these these attempts to regain a little bit of control, feeling uncomfortable, that it was unconscious? Yes, I definitely think it was unconscious. I think they were really focused on that tangible thing because mm -hmm. that seemed rational to them. That mm -hmm. seemed like something they could handle. Whereas going within and taking those steps inside and recognizing I'm losing my son or my daughter in these small ways, that's a really daunting thing to look at. And you don't really want to look at that on a wedding day because what if it breaks you? What if you break down and end up inconsolable? You don't want to be that person at a wedding. You want to be supportive and joyful. So yes, I definitely saw a lot of unconscious outbursts um, at things that were probably not the real problem. But after those outbursts, people did seem to be able to feel a little bit better, or maybe they felt a little embarrassed about how they acted and were able to let go and get into the joy of it more. How do you think it would have been different for those in those situations if the couple had said, we don't want you to hold it together, we want you to just be here and have all your feelings? I like that idea a lot, but I've also seen the dynamics between parents and their children can be so hard to change mm -hmm. that even if their children tell them, be yourself, let go, if that's not their personality, I'm not sure they would be able to do that. Right. But maybe even just having that permission would have felt good. Right. It's hard to say. Right. Tria wrote an article for the Washington Post about the wedding my husband and I created, specifically how we worked in a section for grieving. To explain how our wedding came about, I need to take you back 20 years. In the year 2000, I moved to California to attend Matthew Fox's graduate program in creation spirituality. Fox is often described as a renegade theologian, and it was his unique event called the Technocosmic Mass that drew me to his school. The Technocosmic Mass, or Cosmic Mass as it is now called, is a multimedia, rave-like community worship experience that brings prayer and devotion off the pages of the hymnal and into the soles of the feet. During my years at the school, I attended almost every Mass. One thing I didn't know was that my future husband was also attending those events, but we wouldn't even meet each other for another five years when the masses were no longer being produced. So we met. And 10 years later, we decided to get married and began considering what kind of ceremony might be a good fit for us. We were actually kind of stuck because we come from different traditions and nothing seemed to come organically. But, as synchronicity would have it, Matthew Fox and his team began producing the Cosmic Mass again right around that time, and on a Sunday night, in a room full of people sweating their prayers under flashing dance lights, we realized we'd found it. We'd found the way we wanted to get married. We were going to create the first ever techno-cosmic wedding. The structure of the Cosmic Mass follows the four paths of creation spirituality. To give you some context, the four paths of creation spirituality are the Via Positiva, a time of joy, awe, and wonder, 
The via negativa, a time of darkness and letting go and grieving. The via creativa, honoring ourselves as divinely creative beings. And lastly, the via transformativa, a time of preparing ourselves to go forward as spiritual warriors. While we structured the entire wedding on these four paths, it was the via negativa that was the most unusual to have in a wedding. Matthew Fox defines the via negativa as, quote, a time of communal grieving for the suffering of the planet and all beings, close quote. Here's how Tria described the via negativa section of our wedding ceremony in her article. Quote, the room was dimly lit. Wedding guests were seated on the floor, eyes closed, some crying, some reaching out in comfort. Bodies swayed gently to a melancholic chorus, and a woman's voice crescendoed with emotion. The speaker invited guests to summon feelings of loss, whether those be for the loss of a loved one, of faith, of youth, of passion, and to embrace feelings of fear for the world or for themselves. Close quote. It was important for us to include a time for these harder emotions in our wedding ceremony because we wanted to make room for our full selves to show up both at the wedding and in the marriage. And we've spent some time, too, talking about this, this idea of the, the via negativa, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which comes from the wedding that my husband and I had where we actually had a section of the wedding dedicated to grieving and um We've talked about how that was very unusual. Yes, <laughs> and wonderful, I think. <laughs> and you and your fiancé are planning something a little bit like that for your second wedding. Yes, so we have such a small wedding, and I think our guests tend to be on the more conventional side. So instead of having it at the actual wedding and having an, an orchestrated section of going through a via negativa like you did, we've been spreading it out over the month leading up to the wedding and we uh, plan to continue making space for it after the wedding, even in the years to come. Um, because I think it's important to realize that negative feelings, especially grief, they don't go away after one session. They can't be addressed very quickly, but if you make space for them in an ongoing way, I think it makes it easier to make joy the forefront of a certain day, in this case, mm-hmm. the wedding day. So what we've been doing is having conversations with people close to us and asking them what kind of fears they might have about how our relationship going forward might be or any fears for us as a couple or just anything on their mind, really, that may be different from the regular congratulations. Um, And then inspired by you and Rodrigo, my fiancé and I did our own kind of private via negativa with the two of us. We did it last week, and we lit candles and turned off the lights and played some music. And then I asked um, us to write down in a notebook all the things that we were scared about or nervous about for the wedding day and then all of the things that made us have those fear feelings for marriage in general and so we wrote for a little while and then we took turns sharing things and it lasted about two hours actually we really got to talk about a lot of things anything from 
just where would we spend Christmases? Like, which family gets us at which mm. time of year? To how will the dynamic change when we have children? And what will happen if you know one of our parents passes away? How will we take care of the other one? So we really covered a lot of ground, and I think felt a lot better afterwards. But we also recognize it's a conversation that will continue. And then we did a um, had a special song to us and did. The eye contact for a while mm. to kind of let it all settle in. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's so wonderful. So, you've really laid the groundwork then for yourself, e- each of you individually, plus you as a couple, plus the people in your life to, to have space to share any fears, any, um, any worries. Yes. Yeah. Because we are both at a point in our lives where we recognize marriage is difficult because life is difficult and you are attaching yourself to someone else's life. So you will get all their difficulties plus all your difficulties. And that is something to celebrate because you'll have someone with you, but it's also something to be a little bit nervous about and having space for all of that really feels a lot better. And I do have you to thank for that because it kind of didn't click for me until I saw your wedding ceremony uh, from the video you showed me and seeing that via negativa and seeing the space you made made me realize that was what was missing in my wedding planning because I had been going to a bit of therapy and trying to deal with my own feelings of worry because I was married before and it didn't work out. And so I knew I had to do this second wedding and marriage differently but I wasn't quite sure how so seeing your experience really helped me Tria how she worked with couples around the loss of a loved one at the wedding. With acute losses or mm. grief in general, that can be a really difficult thing to handle at a wedding because as we've mm. talked about, a wedding is supposed to be all joy and it feels scary to invite something in that will bring you grief and sadness. Mm. But sometimes people are important to us and when they're not there to kind of brush it under the rug, it doesn't really feel real. So I think in some ways it could be interesting to expand what happens at a wedding to include some of the things that happen at a memorial or a grief ritual. So we could look to other cultures, for example, like the Day of the Dead. You know, they have these beautiful altars and flowers and favorite foods of that loved one and they really presence them and at most weddings I've been to where they've lost a loved one they either have a line about them in the program or a picture or two kind of on a shelf in a corner that you can easily bypass if you want to and they are honoring them but they're making it really kind of optional and something that's easy to ignore if you're not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But it could be really lovely to actually invite that deceased loved one in and really have them there with a favorite uh, food or some tradition that they loved. At my little wedding ceremony, uh, we are having our, instead of place cards with people's names, we're writing cards to everyone with 
um, our heartfelt sentiments to them, and we're writing them on watercolor painted envelopes and cards. And my mom was a watercolor artist, and mm-hmm. a lot of weekends we would spend painting big sheets of watercolor together, and then cutting out envelopes. And in those days, people used to mail each other letters often, so we would use those <laughs> <Right>. envelopes. <laughs> so I had my fiance make these envelopes with me, and I really felt her there with me. And he's never met my mom, so it was a great way for me to introduce her to him and show him this is how I would spend my weekends with my mom. And I know that having those envelopes there on the day, it's small, it's not going to be very distracting for people who didn't know her, but I will make a mention of the meaning that they have to me, and I think I'll feel her there more in that way. Mm, That's a really beautiful way of including her. As the interview came to a close, Tria and I touched on inclusivity at the wedding, how to include everyone, even in a small ceremony. We are actually having a very casual meetup at a cafe the week after our wedding ceremony for all of those friends of ours who um, we didn't feel like we could accommodate at the ceremony because it's so small, um, but who we still wanted to celebrate with in some way. Mm. So we're just having some snacks at a cafe and a tarot card reader and a watercolor portrait artist and that's pretty much it we're just gonna hang out for me I'm so I think I have a a caregiving aspect to my personality that I have not been able to shake (laughs) and so when I think about holding an event for people I literally think of it from every single person's perspective and think of how to make it comfortable for them. So we're having 25 people at our wedding and that's, you know, me thinking through the day 25 times and that seemed like my limit. I felt (laughs) like I don't want to think through this in 125 ways, just 25. Just 25. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I can manage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that something that you ever recommended to your clients when you were a wedding planner? Or is oh, that just, no. That's, just a, yeah, that's okay. just a problem that I have. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't recommend it at all. I've, yeah, I've even tried to imagine for my two-year-old niece, like, okay, she's going to get bored around this time. So I'm like, put head, shoulders, knees, and toes on our playlist for the wedding. Right, right, like, right. make wow. sure to have something for everybody. Wow, wow. <laughs> that is super personalized. <laughs> <laughs> little kid playlist just for the, that's so the wonderful. cute little ones. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your inspiration and for sharing your story of, of your, your second wedding and all that you're learning and doing and experiencing and all that you bring from everything that you've done before. Thank you as well. And to use your term for holding space <laughs> for all of these conversations. And I think that there is such an automatic track that people get on when they wedding plan. So I hope that hearing stories on your podcast will help people realize they don't have to follow an automatic track. They can do it as they want to. They can have a via negativa if they want to. <laughs> they can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation about making room for all of the emotions on a wedding day. To hear more in Tria's wonderful written words, check out her piece entitled, A Joyful Wedding Can Still Make Room for Grief, listed in the show notes. While you're there, check out some footage from the Cosmic Mass on the Cosmic Mass website. Tria Chang is a writer and an organizer. Follow her on Instagram at Tria underscore Chang. 
Our music is by Terry Hughes. If you got something out of this episode, please share it with a friend. Learn more at shamepinata.com. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.